0: Somehow,
1: somehow, I'm and welcome back into News Radio WGNS. That was a quick break. I said quick break. That was about as quick as a break as you can get. And we are back, and our guest this morning is Fire Chief Mark Folks joining the show. And, uh, well, what a perfect guest to have on as we approach Fourth of July. And uh, welcome, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here, Nick. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, We'll start right off from the top. Do a quick intro. I wanted to just kind of ask you uh, how you got to how, did, how you got to be fire chief. Were you always passionate? Always wanted to be a fireman? I know you know a lot of times that's the case. People are passionate from when they're little
0: kids. And uh, is that your case? Is that something you've always been passionate? And always always wanted to be? Absolutely. I well and and kind of I never really imagined it coming up through high school. My my father was a fire uh, provider, and he retired as the captain in the city of Knoxville and I I went to work for the city of Knoxville in 1990. And so we uh, got to work together for about three years and uh, and so it was really enjoyable kind of watching what he did to help people and, and kind of get you the the passion for for just helping people and that's that's what I wanted to do the most and I guess the way that kind of the path that got the fire chief is once you start making a difference in people's lives, then I guess the, the bigger way that you can make a difference is making it more on a global level to where uh, all of your firefighters can make a bigger difference um, through the things and the programs that you offer and the things that you do within the department. And so having a little bit higher decision-making ability to to impact people at, at that level was became a desire. Um, I, I went up through the ranks uh, to assistant chief of uh, special operations in Knoxville and then became the fire chief in Greenville, Tennessee, uh, and in 2015 was appointed the fire chief here in Murfreesboro and uh, our our family is just grateful to be here we love being here and uh, it's a great community and we love Murfreesboro and uh, Murfreesboro has definitely become home uh, and hopefully uh, always will be.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you for giving us a few minutes. I know you've been on before. This is the first time we've got to meet, so pleasure to meet you. And I wanted to say if anybody wants to call or text 615-893-1450, if you can call or text the show with any questions you might have as we approach 4th of July, uh, fire safety tips, questions on burns. Uh, I know that's going to be one we're going to cover this hour as well, but uh, if you'd like to send those questions in, you can call or text, and we'll try to get to those text messages near the end of the show and uh, just kind of take calls as they come through. Uh, so I wanted to ask you right off the top, 4th of July is a special holiday. Everybody loves 4th of July, but... Being with the fire department, being a firefighter, probably a, a little bit of a different approach to it, right? Because a lot of times 4th of July is that fire, the, the season where maybe there's, there's an accidental fire started from fireworks or, uh, you know, we're talking about burn piles. Maybe one of the bottle rockets lands in a, in a dry pile of grass or burnings, things like that. So when, you know, so many people look at this holiday as a time to just, you know, go nuts and have a lot of fun, um, you guys are, are probably on your toes more than ever and you guys probably get a lot of calls, a lot of things that you say, this happens every year, right? This happens every year. Um, so maybe we can talk about some of those things while we're talking to the masses. Some some safety tips and just some things to do, things not to do, and um, you know, frequently ask questions if you will for uh, for that holiday. So, what are some of the things you guys come across every Fourth of July? You say, okay, this is this is going to happen. You can almost guarantee it. We tell people not to do it, but it's going to happen. What are some of those things?
0: Yeah, well, one of the things, uh, well, and with Fourth of July, I think everybody loves the holiday because we're celebrating our our nation's independence. Uh, but when it comes to fireworks, it's kind of a mixed bag. You got some people that absolutely Love fireworks they want to shoot them and can 't wait to shoot them and, and do all those things and then you 've got other po- other people uh, that are really annoyed by them uh, they either are Um, have issues um, as as far as it scaring them or or being in those kind of situations, some PTSD issues. Uh, People with pets have a lot of issues with fireworks because of their pets and and some of the issues it causes with that. So you see a mixed bag. So what we ask people to do is be very considerate of their neighbors, uh, be very considerate when they're shooting fireworks. Uh, In the city of Murfreesboro, we have uh, very strict ordinances related to, to fireworks. Fireworks are illegal to shoot in the city of Murfreesboro, except for a very narrow time frame. Uh that time frame for the fourth of July is actually uh from July the third. Uh on July the third, July the fourth and July the fifth, from ten A. M. to eleven PM you're allowed to shoot fireworks, uh or residential grade fireworks. Um Again, that's some of the restrictions that council has allowed to to be in place, but it still allows people to shoot fireworks. But what we ask is that people be very considerate. Um, There's other restrictions in place with that. You're not allowed to shoot them from a city street or a city park or any place like that. You you can only shoot them from your property. Um, And with as densely populated as we've become, that becomes bigger issues with uh, the bottle rockets or some of the other things or some of the fireworks landing on people's homes, landing on people's cars, causing damage. We see that every year, Um, but the biggest thing that we see every year, uh, both, here in Murfreesboro, but nationwide, um, about 12,000 people a year are, are killed by fireworks. And, and that's killed. And it's not just injured. Um, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of injuries every single year uh, from fireworks. And so we want to make sure that people are cognizant of the dangers of fireworks and and know that they're they're not just a, a child's toy, and children should not ever be shooting fireworks alone, uh, or really shouldn't be handling fireworks whatsoever. And I know everybody sees that some of the sparklers and the kids around those sparklers are very very hot, around 2,000 degrees. If a child touches the end of that sparkler as it's going, they're going to get burned, and we see that happen very often. Uh, we see just a lot of injuries and 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 things like that occur with fireworks. And what we what we really like to say is. You know, with with the level of density that we have in our city now, we really, really encourage people to go to fireworks shows and, and view those. And we know that this year's in, in particular because the Nashville fireworks have been canceled and, and et cetera. But fortunately for us here in Murfreesboro and Rutherford County, we are having a fireworks show as a city. We normally have that at McKnight Park, um, but our city parks and recreation department, along with a lot of our other city departments, uh, public works and, and police department, the fire department have all been working together to make sure that we have a great show for everyone to come see Fireworks Wise on July the 4th. And we encourage everyone, don't buy your own fireworks. Don't spend that money. Uh, literally, you're, you're kind of throwing that money into flames when you're doing it in fireworks. Come see what the city's going to have because it's going to be a spectacular fireworks show. Uh, it's going to be shot off from Medical Center Parkway. Uh, near Gateway Boulevard um, area next to our fire station four or just directly adjacent to our fire station four over there on Medical Center Parkway. Uh, The great thing about that location is it's going to allow the opportunity, even with COVID-19 restrictions and social distancing things in place, we're not going to have any events on site as far as the fireworks go. We're going to have a very restrictive zone because we have to have a drop zone for that. But there are a lot of places that you can park and see those fireworks from there. Uh, every from old fort park old fort park will be open the golf course area will be closed as far as the parking area there Um, but you know the greenway trail is open for people to come onto the greenway normally that closes at at dusk um, but they're going to leave the greenway trail open and let people come onto the greenway and view the fireworks from the greenway if they choose to until immediately after the fireworks and allow a little bit of time for everybody to get off and then and of course the greenway will close as it normally does but um you know, anywhere from Old Fort Parkway, a lot of the businesses will be closed. So parking over there, we encourage people to go park, go tailgate, uh, you know, kind of have a good time uh, in anticipation of the fireworks, which will be shot around 9 o'clock. Uh, and there's all kinds of other businesses and places that they can park in the immediate area of Medical Center Parkway and, and all those things. The thing that we want to make sure that we ask everybody to do, though, when they're, when they're viewing those fireworks on the 4th of July uh, here in the city, is make sure they're not parking on the road. So when the fireworks start, don't just pull over to the side of the road or... Or pull over in that lane of travel. We want to make sure that we keep all our roads going and things like that. There are plenty of places to go park and and tailgate and even our city parks uh, that are in the area. Uh, All those kind of things, Gateway Island and all those kind of things will be open uh, for people to come view and see uh, and should be able to very much so keep social distancing in in effect uh, as well as see a great fireworks show provided by the city of Murfreesboro.
1: Like you said, a lot of businesses are opening their parking lots and areas to for that very thing, right? Don't park in the road; be in a safe spot. And everybody's kind of on page with the big Fourth of July fireworks show. If you're parked somewhere, uh, most likely they're they're going to be okay with that. And you know, obviously, make sure there are designated spots. But if you're thinking, "Well, there's nowhere around here to park," you're probably not looking hard enough because a lot of folks are allowing you to do so. Yeah, and make um,
0: sure that you're also tuning into WGNS. WGNS will air the the broadcast uh, of the music to correlate to the fireworks. So that's we want everybody to do that, and we. Appreciate WGNS and their sponsorship and, and helping us put on that production every single year uh, that they do, especially this year with it kind of almost being a remote fireworks show and, and people having them being spread out a little bit. But it's a great opportunity to have the music correlated to the fireworks and everything going on with that, and it's going to be a great event. And I think it's going to be unique in the way that you're going to look back and say, this, this day in history, this Fourth this of
1: July particularly, Um, And maybe this is a story you tell 20 years from now, but you say, yeah, we actually had everything tuned in on the radio and everybody kind of spread out. That's kind of a cool thing. Um, Even if it's out of necessity this year, it's it's kind of a cool little staple in history. We'll look back on that and say, well, that probably won't happen again in this same fashion, in this same degree. So, um, you know, very, very cool that uh, that we're able to do that and everybody kind of pulling together to try to make 4th of July as, as awesome as we can make it. Uh, we did get a call just now. We're going to put them on hold for just one second as we finish this up. Um, any 4th of July memories since you've been here that you just say, you know, this really sticks out? any particular years or any just little stories in the past that you've said you know this is just awesome uh this is what fourth of july is all
0: about well i think uh you know just the patriot seeing the american flags in the homes and all the neighborhoods in murfreesboro driving through the neighborhoods uh, and seeing the amount of flags that are out there and seeing people celebrate our country's independence has just been a great memory for me ever since i've been here this is a, a a great community it's a very patriotic community we believe in our in our country and we believe in our city and uh and our state and uh, very very it, it's great to see people being proud of that uh, and encouraging that
1: absolutely we're going to go to the phone lines now and take this first call good morning Ryan with wgns for the action line
0: yeah i was listening to your broadcast uh i hate to bust your uh guest's bubble but they are having a Nashville fireworks show so i'll hang up and listen okay
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great then. I guess uh more more chances and opportunities to see great fireworks and uh good good to have that cleared up. Um yeah, I think you know as you mentioned just seeing the flags out there, seeing everybody come out together, and uh, you know everybody loves fireworks just about and at least everybody loves the the Fourth of July celebrations with the cookouts and just you know being patriotic and, and flying the flag and wearing your red, white and blue clothing and uh, as you mentioned, the fireworks, some people not as not as big of a fan as the fireworks, so obviously be respectful for that, but I think just the atmosphere on Fourth of July weekend, everybody's just having a good time and smiling and and happy to be a part of that so um, I wanted to change the subject here and, and kind of right turn we mentioned. Uh, you know, possibilities of things catching fire during Fourth of July, bottle rockets, firecrackers, things like that. In general, uh, right now a hot and dry season, and we're getting ready to get into the hotter months. What are some things you could tell folks out there who who have these burn piles, and maybe they catch fire, or folks who have unsafely uh, put together these burn piles, and and you know, done burns whether it's leaves or grass or whatever it is, that maybe get a little too big. And again, every year I'm sure some of these things resurface, and you say, you know, there's always going to be someone that does it this year. Uh what do, what do folks need to know?
0: Yeah. Well, First of all, um, anytime that you're burning anything like that, and, and, and burning of open burning in the city of Murfreesboro is, is not permitted whatsoever. And so, you know, we've got uh, ordinances against that. So you're really not supposed to burn. Uh, again, because we're very densely populated, the smoke really bothers some people that have allergies and asthma and, and breathing difficulties and things like that. And so we've, we've passed ordinances to where open burning is really not allowed on a residential basis. We do allow some of the commercial burning uh, to happen when they're doing land clearing for developments or otherwise, uh, but that's very restrictive. Um, They have to purchase permits. They have to get everything inspected. They have to dig a pit and and burn it in a pit and those things like that. And so we've passed some ordinances to make open burning in the city of Murfreesboro. Uh, to where it 's not uh, impactful on people, we get a lot of complaints about people burning um, piles of leaves, um, grass, different things like that, and the impacts it has on the neighbors um, and so we We just decided it was best uh, to restrict that completely. You are as a resident, you are allowed to have outdoor fireplaces you're allowed to have uh, you know the commercial manufactured fire pits. Uh, or, you know, you can have constructed fire pit You can have any of those things in nature You can have um, those as long as they're no larger than three by three And you're burning all natural material Nothing that's, uh, that's painted or treated or anything like that You can do that at a residence And those are completely allowed So you can still roast marshmallows and cook hot dogs and things like that um, Over an open fire in a pit uh, But there's no, you know, burning of fence lines And doing those things in the city is not permitted but any time that uh, anyone's burning, you know, whether you're – it, if it's in the county or otherwise, um, there's, there's major things to look at. Um, one of the things is the the wind conditions or the humidity levels and things like that because it really affects how the smoke is going to travel, how the embers may travel from the fire. So if you're living out in the county and, and you want to burn a big burn pile, just make sure that it's not a windy day. Uh, make sure the humidity's not really, really, really high because it's going to cause that smoke to really drape down and, and affect your neighbors or otherwise. Um, don't use accelerants. We see a lot of people year in and out use accelerants and think they're okay using gasoline or kerosene or, or some other kind of accelerants to light that burn pile, get it moving faster. Um, vapors will cling to you, um, your body, uh, as far as the, those fuel vapors go. And year in and year out, we see a lot of people that are burned uh, just by lighting that, that match. Even though they're, they're 10 or 12 feet away when they light it, those, those vapors will actually follow them back. Uh, by static electricity, clinging to them and burn them. we see a lot of burns on the on the lower legs and even hands, arms, things like that from lighting those burn piles. So we, we just have to be really careful about doing that. And then, again, dry conditions. If it's dry conditions, don't, just don't burn because embers can can go a very long way, and if they get into to other leaves or grass or other things like that, uh, you could spark a fire hundreds of yards away from where you're trying to, to light the fire itself. And, and even within the city of Murfreesboro, when we're talking about fire pits and other things like that, we really want people to kind of watch the conditions. Uh, because you can still have embers fly out of those uh, fire pits or fireplaces we just want people to be really cognizant of conditions and make sure that it's it's at least rain some and we're not really really dry and uh, and typically when it gets to a really dry point where we're in kind of almost drought conditions the, the our, our fire marshal will put something out about we're completely burning uh doing a burn ban that even open residential burning in a in a fire pit or otherwise is not allowed
1: so that's just as easy as that if, if somebody is looking to uh you know do something like that and there's a burn ban in place that obviously means it's too dry and i'm sure they could always call or you know just call the department and say hey guys i was looking to do xyz you know is this is this a good time to do so um and just to rewind quickly you mentioned you know a a uh, safe burning environment maybe like a three by three fire pit and you could do s'mores and things like that so if you go out to a uh, burn and it's a 30 foot flame but there's a bag of marshmallows next to the fire that that's not going to work guys so there is there is no. a rule in place and you know uh, it's pretty black and white as far as what's allowed and what's not allowed. So, uh, just for anybody trying to pull that trick. So, um, and you mentioned when you get out out of the city a little bit, things do change just a bit. So, if you got a little bit of property, um, you know, maybe you can get away with a little bit more as far as burning brush. But in the city, pretty restricted. Now, what are, what would be the best route for somebody with a bunch of burn uh, with a bunch of brush? Then they need to burn, but they can't there's there's got to be something to do with
0: it well the city always picks up brush and so any anything that you've got leaves grass or brush uh the city picks that up and we don't want people burning it uh, in neighborhoods or anywhere in the city uh the city will pick that up you can call um, the solid waste department with the city and tell them that you've got a brush pile and and they do that on a regular rotation and and our and our solid waste uh professionals that are out there uh picking up um, garbage the cans that, that are in there they are typically um Looking for those things like grass out by the curb and things like that, uh, we do ask that everybody if if you're bagging or to bag grass you know in the recyclable bags, just put the grass out by the curb they'll come pick it up, put your brush piles out by the curb uh, there are information there is information on the city's website about how long those piles can be, I'm, I'm thinking it's 14 feet, I'm not exactly sure, but it's on the city's website about how long those piles can be, how tall they can be uh, for them to be able to come pick them up with the boom trucks that they use to pick up the brush. But uh, there's plenty of other opportunities for city residents that doesn't cost them a dime, it's literally uh, just taking it to the curb and, and, and allowing solid waste to come pick it up.
1: What role does insurance play in that? If somebody has a burn pile in their backyard and part of their house catches fire, melts a little bit of the siding, um, and I'm sure you guys have dealt with that in the past, what, what does the insurance company have to say about that? What is their, their role in that?
0: Uh, I'm not exactly sure. There, it, it would depend probably upon the insurance company and and their basis for you know the claim that the that the person has and exactly the activities that they're doing uh, that they would rate you know just about on any circumstance whether it's burning or any another circumstance uh, where you're taking chances that you might not should take. Insurance companies are probably going to look at that a little bit more. Um, with a little bit more of an eye to um, why were we doing this kind of a behavior and, and, and why should we have to pay for this when you were being this reckless. And so uh, I'm not exactly sure how they would handle it, but I'm sure that they would uh, they would look at it more heavily.
1: Uh, certainly those rules are in place not just for safety but for things like that where you could say, uh, you know, this wasn't a safe burning environment and that's stated and we have these rules and regulations put in place. So as a resident, that is that is kind of your job to know that and what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. I wanted to ask you too about uh, Alert Rutherford. That was something I saw on the website. Sign up now. Um, What is that and and what can folks learn from that? Why is that important to stay in touch with what's happening in this area and particularly with you guys?
0: Well, we can put information out on Alert Rutherford that's going to go. If you're signed up on Alert Rutherford, we will put out information uh, for particular neighborhoods or for particular areas that we may be doing something or that something may be going on, a road closure. Uh, That can happen in that area. Other things like that that are that are in there. It's um, originally it was designed to kind of use as an emergency type of an alerting system, but we now have iPause in place, which is you know, and we encourage everyone to activate uh, the emergency alerting on your phone. You know, I received an emergency alert this morning on the Amber Alert that came out this morning about the nine-month-old child. uh, that was abducted or went missing uh, Those emergency alerts That you're getting, we now have the capabilities Of alerting through that on that IPOS system To where we can make sure that we get Those alerts out to people when we have Dangerous situations occurring um, Such as tornadoes, you know, the weather alerts That go occur on those on the tornadoes uh, If we were to have a hazardous materials release In a, in a particular area from a business Or from a, a transportation accident Any kind of thing like that, we can get those um, Pinpointed down to particular neighborhoods And the people that are actually in those neighborhoods but the Alert Rutherford gives us the opportunity to exchange information or get information to the public about maybe not so, you know, pressing emergency needs, but that may be very helpful for those people um, to, to know about uh, coming up in the future. Anything from road closures to um, potentially dangerous situations or or otherwise that it may not be an emergency in nature.
1: Thank you for that. And our guest this morning is Fire Rescue Chief Mark Folks joining us on the Action Line. If you'd like to join the show, 615 893 14:50 he's been kind enough to answer questions if you want to text us we're going to try to get to those text messages towards the end of the show if you can call us we'll uh, try to pull you up just as soon as we can We are going to take a quick timeout and uh, when we come back we'll continue the show take a look at local news during our break and a quick peek at that weather We'll be right back on news radio WGNS Sometimes Strange things can happen coast to coast, all night, every night. There's really no reason to be afraid. On WTNS AM/FM online,
0: we'll see a few spotty showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon, with partial sunshine developing and a high in the mid 80s. Southwest winds gusting as high as 20. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujcic on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 70.
1: Good morning, it's still moving down 24 right now, headed towards Nashville, up through the Hickory Hollow area in that construction zone there on I-24 going west. 840's got some traffic headed over towards Franklin, Williamson County. A little bit busy out here, sections of Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Hey, if your glasses are always fogging up, the answer is Zipwax anti Cleaner, voted one of the best products under $20. Log on today, ZipwaxAntiFogCleaner.com. I'm Commander Chuck, you're on time traffic. Weird News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450, online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com.
0: This is Peter Demas, and I invite your family to come and join our family back at Demas' restaurants. One of the things that we have always done is we have been very careful with the way that we sanitize our tables. We have mandatory hand-washing stations. Our employees are required to wear masks. We are just overall just being very careful with everything that we are doing and the way we handle Food, the way we handle plates, to ensure everybody's safety as they return and start enjoying the dining room experience again. Demus's Restaurants on Broad Street in Murfreesboro.
1: If I could call to the Alrighty, folks, welcome back in News Radio WGNS, and our guest this morning is. Fire chief, fire rescue chief Mark Folks. He's joining the action line. We're talking about a number of different things. One of those things was Fourth uh, of July safety, just in general, things to do on the Fourth of July, things not to do on the Fourth of July, and we're going to touch on that a little bit later on as we wrap up the show. Uh, also, chatted a little bit about burn piles and and where you can burn, where you can't burn. If you're in city limits, of course, that's very restricted. You can still have you know, bonfires, things in the backyard where you're you're doing hot dogs and s'mores and things like that, but with a three-by-three size pit, uh, not one of these giant burn piles that just reaches to the sky. As much fun as that can be, not safe uh, when you're in such a condensed area, and as you get a little bit further out, some of those restrictions lessen, but uh, certainly they are in place, and uh, as we mentioned, that is, you know, kind of our job as a community and community members to know those rules, so that way when they come out here and um, you know, put out the fire. We don't say, "Well, I didn't know." I'm sure that happens happens quite a bit. They say, "I didn't know I I couldn't have this 30 foot flame." What do you What do you mean? I you know I do this all the time. So uh, we do know, and and people do know, and uh, you know that's that's certainly something you're expected to know and and to follow. Uh, we were wanted to chat a little bit about COVID 19. That's kind of shaking everybody in their own little way. And uh, there for a while, we'd we'd start off the show and and bring guests on and say, "How have things changed for you?" Because everybody has their own story. It doesn't matter what. What life you walk? How old you are? Uh, Everybody's everybody's been shaken by this, so you guys are no different. I kind of wanted to just hear your story. March is coming up, and we're hearing about a shutdown, and the shutdown happens, and you know, obviously, you guys can't just go away, right? The fire department is still needed. You guys are essential. If if any business is essential, uh, police, fire department, things like that are absolutely essential. But I'm sure there were some changes that had to be made. I'm sure there were some things that came up. So tell that story. What uh, what was your guys's COVID nineteen experience like leading into the shutdown? and still today when we're still dealing with it.
0: Yeah, leading into the shutdown, we were just really kind of monitoring for best practices on what our firefighters um, and medical professionals that are working with the fire department could could do to protect themselves, whether it's wearing an N95 mask or, you know, the gowns, the gloves, everything. That what what we need to look at as far as going into this, what prevents the spread of it, what's going to keep our firefighters safe uh, if they hit that high-risk exposure. Um, some of the things that we did, and it was based on uh, recommendations from um, both state EMS as well as the state health department as, as far as that goes, is kind of screening for response on at the 911 level, and making sure that we were aware of someone having potential flu like symptoms, COVID 19 system um, symptoms in place, uh, high fever, or anything like that, or anything related. We were looking at those on a screening level with our 911 so that we could pass that information on to our personnel to ensure that they were wearing their uh, proper personal protective equipment. Uh, but also, whenever we started going into the shutdown, the city uh, as a whole, uh, all of the uh, Executive directors, the uh, city managers and, and things like that came together That the mayor and we were looking at decisions based on, okay, what level do we stay in business, what level do we not stay in business, does city hall stay open, do the, all the other offices stay open, uh, everything from water and sewer to Murfreesboro Electric Department to, to everything with the city operations, what, what stays here? who works from home, who can who not work from home, you know, who uh, who can come into the office and who can't. And as we transitioned into that and went through our different levels of shutdown and, of course, got to the ultimate level, early on within the fire department, because we're responding to calls, we pretty much closed our stations down except for our employees, um, which was unfortunate because it's, you know, a lot of our, our personnel work 24 on and 48 off, so they're there for an entire 24-hour day. And a lot of times our family may come by during the day that they're on shift and see them at the fire station when they're not on a call and just come by and say hello to them and see them just for a few minutes. Um, we had to re- really restrict that to make sure that none of the families were coming by, that our, our stations were, were kind of not open just to the general public, just wanting to come in and see a fire truck or a family coming by to visit or those kind of things. Now we were always open to make sure that, uh, and we always will be if someone needed assistance, they could any- at any time come to a fire station and seek that assistance. But we wanted to make sure that we were uh, uh, able to respond in the most appropriate manner to and, and limiting both the risk of our employees encountering someone that may come into a fire station, um, and impacting them or exposing them to covid-19 as well as making sure that you know if we were to go on a call and we didn't know that we encountered someone with covid-19 that someone's not coming in in the station a little while after we have gone on a response to where our personnel have been on that. Um, very, very regimented cleaning of the fire stations. We uh, encouraged our employees not to wear their uniforms home, to leave their uniforms at the station, wash those at the station, and, and just wear you know their own personal clothes home. That way, anything that they'd responded with, uh, the cabs of the truck, all of our medical equipment, anything like that were cleaned multiple times a day as well as the stations, uh, and are still being done that way. And we're still carrying through a lot of the screening That we had in place at the very, very start we put in a screening protocol where we were taking temperatures uh, and doing screening questions for our employees three times a day. And that still exists. That's in place for on a 24-hour shift. So, first thing they come in in the morning, first thing they do before they walk in the door is they get screened and they get their temperature taken at 7 p.m. that night in uh, the middle of their shift. Um, we do the same thing, screening temperature. And before they leave to go home to their family, we're screening them again to make sure that they don't have a, a temperature and they haven't been expo- overly exposed to those kind of things. And, and fortunately, uh, and, and thank goodness, we haven't had any one of our employees that has contracted COVID-19 to date. Uh, and that could change today uh, literally but i mean so far we have been very fortunate our employees have have really worn their personal protective equipment they have done the screening measures that we need to in place uh, we have had some employees off from time to time because of uh, potential exposures most of that was exposures to family members or other people that they were around off duty it was very we've had uh, very few exposures to on-duty um causes that were true exposures because we're when you're wearing the personal protective equipment to the full level it really doesn't count as a as an exposure it's a low risk exposure and so we kind of looked at that so all of our employees continue to do their job the entire time I'm, I'm very proud uh as i always am of our employees for doing the job that they do they they stood on the front lines and um during covid19 as they have during everything else that we've ever had going on from the tornadoes uh that we had on Good Friday to to any type of response to going and helping other communities, um, such as the tornadoes that were in Mount Juliet that we had earlier in the year. And so we, you know, we really look at those kind of things and, and make sure that we're protecting our employees Our Our administrative staff was always here to support the employees. We were always working. And and any one of our divisions, such as community risk reduction or administrative staff, we are doing temperature checks, still doing temperature checks two times a day um, and screening for COVID-19 to make sure that we're doing everything that we need to do uh, to be able to prevent that. And uh, our community risk reduction team really partnered with the city schools on making sure that we were there to assist with um, the child buses and, and some of the things that they were initially doing when schools were closed, making sure that we assisted the school system in any way that we could. Uh, we were very involved with the city school system, very proud to be involved with our city schools on uh, doing some public education programs in the school. We've got a very neat program that uh, ties into their STEAM Uh, curriculum that involves the fire department and us going in and helping teach that with them so we're very tied in with our schools and we're very invested in our children uh, and uh, as our school system uh, overwhelmingly is but we want to make sure that we were doing everything we could to support them and any other department that needed our support during during COVID-19
1: fire rescue chief Mark folks joining the show he's the action line guest this morning what are some of the things we can do as a community community members now you know firefighters don't only get called the fires you guys are involved in in many facets of um you know whether whether it be uh, a gas leak you'll see a fire truck show up car accidents they might show up uh what can folks do to to help protect you guys if, if you're coming to a call whether it's something big or something minor what can we do to to help you guys in that way
0: uh, the biggest thing that we ask is that the public give, um, you know, very good information to our our 911 professionals. And we've got some great 911 professionals, and that's one of the things that I want to make sure that we, uh, that our, our call processors, our dispatchers at all of our 911 centers uh, here in Rutherford County, uh, but especially our Murfreesboro emergency communications personnel, uh, you know, we. There's always a telecommunicator week uh, where we recognize those 911 professionals that kind of occurred during COVID 19. So we weren't able to kind of publicize that, but we want to make sure that we, uh, that any information that the public can give to those nine one one professionals that makes it more accurate for our response, it enables us to be ready um, faster for what we have to we're encountering, uh, and just doing those things. And then, and then of course, if if, if you're having those type of symptoms with COVID nineteen or any, in, even the flu, uh, just let our people know. That way, they can protect themselves a little bit better by uh, putting on additional personal protective equipment, or otherwise, you know, those are kind of things that we can do. And we just, but we're there for. um, we're there for the public. We're there for our citizens. We're going to protect them in any manner. And, and as you mentioned, we've got uh, a multitude of different things. We actually have a group uh, this week training on confined space rescues. And so we've got a full cadre of uh, technical rescue capabilities, uh, handling hazardous material situations, emergency medical response at an advanced life support level, um, fire response. You know, of course, that's what we're primarily here for. But there are a lot of other things that we're trained in, and our, and our personnel are just a – very very talented uh, extremely professional and extremely caring about the way that they take care of this community i, I couldn't be more proud of them
1: as uh, as you were saying that a cool moment here would have been a great picture as uh, you were talking a big fire one of your own fire trucks actually driving uh down broad behind you and kind of just took over the whole window view behind you here so that was uh kind of neat but yeah yeah so as far as as far as that goes be more clear or as clear as possible and, and that can be tough because a lot of times folks call you guys and they're razzled they're uh, they're worried their you know heartbeats going uh but try to be as clear as you can and then as far as sanitary things uh you know try Try to just manage social distancing if possible. Again, you guys, you guys are in the thick of the action, and that can be hard. That can be tough when you say six feet, but you're trying to rescue or save somebody, right? So that's not always possible. But as somebody who's making a call, just try to be as clear as possible. Try to be respectful. Uh, minimize contact if you can. And uh, I said, I think one of the big ones is, you know, if you if you've had any symptoms, if your friends or family have had those symptoms or possibly been. Um, been sick with COVID, that's just something to keep in the back of your head for for a while. You need to you know, try to even more so stay away from folks and practice that social distancing and just awareness, I think, would be the, the key word there. I wanted to ask you about uh, the 2020 census was on the website. You're seeing it all over the place, um, and, I, and I know for, for many reasons the census is important. How particularly does that affect you guys? I saw it on your website particularly. I said you can click here, take the census. It only takes a few minutes, folks. But why is that important for you guys particularly?
0: Yeah, it, it, the census is great. It actually takes a very, very the way that census format is now. It takes a very short amount of time to fill out the census online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's simply basically going in there and entering who the first names of who lives in your household and and just quantifying that information to the uh, to the U.S. Census Bureau. But it means an incredible amount to the city of Murfreesboro. Uh, and all the municipalities, or any of the counties, or otherwise, because it gets an accurate count of uh, how tax dollars are distributed, both from the federal government and the state government, um, all the way around. And so, you know, if, if you know, we're we're probably best in a, a 145 000 to 150 thousand people population here in Murfreesboro now. That's an, kind of an estimate of where we're at. We need to know that true count because you know when we're trying to put in infrastructure, starts to streets and 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 Providing fire protection, providing law enforcement—you know, doing all the things that we do as a city and all the services we provide—from uh, public works to garbage pickup to everything else—even uh, our rover transportation system and and how we manage our our traffic information system and all those kind of things count on federal dollars. And those federal dollars are passed down on the our registration with the census and what our numbers are truly on the census. And so if we're if we're reporting, if we have people that don't report and we're missing twenty thousand people in our population, it greatly affects the amount of um, pass down revenue that the federal government is passing down to our local governments, and see. And the thing about that is, is that population is going to be counted somewhere, and so somebody's going to get those that funding. Um, so we need the citizens of Murfreesboro to really populate in on the census and make sure that we get that filled out because it makes a huge difference in uh, us getting those passed down federal dollars and state dollars to our local government to where we can keep our infrastructure, keep all the city services online the way that we need to. And
1: if you took the census last year, you still need to take it again this year. That's a yearly thing, right?
0: Yes. Well, uh, actually, census goes about every 10 years. The true census goes about every 10 years. A couple of years ago, and probably everybody's thinking, well, why am I doing the census again? But a couple of years ago, because Murfreesboro is growing so quickly, we did a special census because, again, those passed-down dollars – uh, make a huge difference on the amount of money that 's coming into the city for us to provide service, so the city decided to conduct a special census about three years ago I guess and we got those numbers in and and everything and our and our population count went up because of that and because of it going up, we got more um, federal dollars that were passed down dollars as, as far as well as state dollars coming into our government to help us be able to run um, and provide the services that we do.
1: Fantastic. Fire Chief Mark folks, our guest for the action line. we got about 10 minutes left. If anybody wants to send us a question through the text line or call, we are taking calls to wrap up the show. And uh, you mentioned the census is good because that would show uh, the government where money is needed to be put, what cities are growing, what cities need more fire stations, more firefighters. And you had mentioned a new station going live if you want to tell everybody about that.
0: Yeah, on May the 2nd uh, was actually the first day that we went live with it, but we have a new fire station uh, open in the Blackman community. It's on uh, Blaze Drive. It's directly, it's actually right next door to Blackman High School, uh, but it's right off of Fortress and Blaze. You'll actually see it from Fortress, um, be able to see the station there from Fortress. Um, but we have a, a full contingent of firefighters there. We've, we've moved uh, our hazardous materials truck there, which is a, one of our rescue trucks, um, capable of providing a lot of services as well as one of our ladder trucks that's there to provide the services in the in that community it gets us closer to the the residents of the things we need to be uh, station nine on case lane uh, and Station 5 from Florence Road used to cover a lot of that area, um, but now this puts that station closer to where we can respond to the citizens and their needs uh, in a much more rapid format than we used to. Um, station 9 on Cason Lane is a very, very busy station, and this kind of takes some of that workload off of them, as well as gets us closer to a lot of the residents over there in that Blackman community that need um, would need our assistance for anything from emergency medical costs to fires or otherwise, um, and again, you know we talked about the restrictions on covid nineteen we've really lifted a lot of those things we're doing some public um we're doing some public education and some special event things um in a limited context as long as we can maintain some social distancing going with that. We are allowing. Um, the community to come by and see the fire station so I, I welcome anyone uh not just station 11 on on blaze drive but any of our 11 stations the if it's your neighborhood fire station you're welcome at any time to come into the station uh, take a tour of the station and let your children see the fire trucks or it may not even be your children it may be that you want to see the fire truck and if you want to come see the fire truck that's fantastic um we would love uh We love for our neighbors and community to come in, meet our firefighters. They love meeting people within our community, Uh, love talking to them about the things that we do and the things that we enjoy uh, protecting our citizens over, and and those are things that we would love for the community to come back in. And, And we will plan an event where we will have an open house at that station as well as a kind of a dedication event for that station in the future once we're a little bit more out of uh, the restrictions and those kind of things, but we just we are welcoming the public to come in as long as we can maintain that social distancing, um, the social distancing guidelines that are out there right now. Um, We just welcome them to come in and they want to come in and see the station they're welcome to at any time.
1: You're spot on because I I can remember exactly the day I was like 10 or 11 years old going to see a fire station doing the tour and and they pick you up and let you kind of go down the fireman's pole from about four feet off the ground, not from all the way on the top, but I still remember that very clearly and now, you know, fast forward, 27-year-old me, still interested. I'd still love to go do a tour. And uh, that's, you know, something I've always thought was fascinating, just seeing those big shiny trucks and uh, meeting the people in the community who, again, go toe-to-toe with danger on a, on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, it's a good time to meet those people and, uh, you know, thank them for what they do and, and just, you know, kind of know who they are. Uh, we had a couple text messages come in, and I wanted to start with these. Uh, you were mentioning there's a, and a lot of people may know this, a lot of people may not, but there is a actually a, a time frame where you can legally light off fire.
0: Fireworks. Yes. Now, I don't want
1: to. I don't want to be the whistleblower. But there has been some firework action the last couple of days. The last maybe two or three weeks. You might have heard some earlier in the month. Um, what What is there? If there is even a penalty for that? I know you know people may not want to want to call the police and say somebody's shooting off fireworks across the street. <clears> that may not be a, a hot ticket item as far as an emergency goes. But if it's against the rules, what are the repercussions for people who are lighting fireworks off now and? couple days from now
0: yeah it's it's a violation of city ordinance so you can be cited and you you would be cited to city court and i think it's a 50 Mm dollars fine for shooting off fireworks in those situations and and like most situations a lot of it comes into uh, people not understanding the rules and not understanding the law of of when you can shoot fireworks but um, really encourage everyone to call the non-emergency line uh, at the police department um, with our 911 center there and just make just call that non-emergency line if someone's shooting off fireworks now uh, or if they're outside of those parameters of where you're shooting and they will you know they're not going to prioritize it as an emergency but they will get out and kind of look at see what's going on and um, try to get people to stop doing it and most of the time we try to issue warnings on that and and not just immediately write tickets or do those kind of things but you know it is it, we we know and we understand because we hear the complaints i, I hear it all the time about um, people saying why don't we completely restrict fireworks we're really just dense you know and, and i think it's a uh, it's something that we kind of weigh in every every year uh, we kind of look. Look at that whole situation and, and and kind of take into account the dangers of it, how dense we've become, different things like that. But it, it, you know, as much as some people just really enjoy fireworks and they just want to go out there and shoot those fireworks, there's the, there's the other side of that where it really uh, you've got pets that are really. Uh, reeling from that. You've got some people with PTSD that it causes issues with and it, it's just, you know, and a lot of people work different schedules than other people do and so if you're out there at 9.30 at night shooting fireworks thinking this is no problem because it's 9.30 nobody should be in bed this early you know, there's some people that wake up and come to work at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning that may be in bed at, at 7 or 8 o'clock and right. so it's it's just being uh, kind to your neighbor and, and just being considerate of others and, and doing and following the rules and following the law is what we would ask everybody to do but, you know, you can call the police department if it's a continued thing um and, and if they're shooting fireworks outside of those boundaries of of july the third july the fourth and july the fifth again from 10 a.m um 10 a.m to 10 p.m is basically that that time frame to shoot those fireworks and 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 that's your restriction or 11 p.m i'm sorry um during the fourth of july it's 11 p.m that's the time frame to shoot fireworks is those three days during those hours and, and that's pretty much it and, and anything else is is sightable um technically under those offenses.
1: And it's uh, maybe a case of using common sense. If you live in an apartment complex and you're blowing fireworks off, you got hundreds of neighbors within a very short distance who may not appreciate it. Let's say you live out of the city a little bit. you got some property. Maybe your neighbor next door does fireworks. You might be able to get away with it. Again, it's, it's a common sense and a uh, courtesy type of thing. We did get a phone call. We're going to take this phone call real quick, but I did want to mention, um, segueing from what you were just saying about 911 and non-emergency, if you could just quickly describe, what do you call for uh, 911? Obviously, a life-threatening emergency. Violence, things like that. What are some of the calls you guys get for the local uh, non emergency number? And if you know, kind of split that line, why would you call one or the other for folks who maybe would call 911 for something that's not an emergency or vice versa?
0: Yeah, there's some great information on our website um, about what when to call 911 and when to call uh, the police department's non emergency line and, and report different things on there. the the major thing is if any time that you feel like your life 's in danger, call nine one one and the biggest reason to call nine one one instead of calling a non emergency line when you 're having a life threatening event whether that 's a motor vehicle accident, a heart attack, you know a potential fire, anything like that you know I know that a lot of people in the past we didn 't have nine one one as 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 a service, but the one thing about nine one one that we get uh, from your phone that we don 't get when you don 't dial nine one one if you 're having a true emergency is is your location um, because just about everybody that I know has their location services turned off except for pretty much nine one one because you don 't want just anybody that 's no one that 's calling you knowing exactly where you 're sitting uh, at a particular time, and so location services are allowed on the nine one one Thing. And so we get Annie Alley information, what we call Annie Alley information, automatic number location indication and automatic location information. Uh, we're putting a new system online. Um, it actually went online with our center this past week, which is Next Generation 911. It actually pinpoints the exact location if you're calling by cell phone. And, of course, Landline gives us that location of where that landline is. Any type of an emergency, we definitely encourage you to call 911. But if it's something like, uh, you know, a neighbor is um, shooting fireworks or uh, burning uh, illegally and and it's bothering you, those kind of things, we encourage you in those situations and any kind of situation that would be deemed non-emergency in nature to do that. But any time that your life is at threat, any time that you have a fire situation in your home or just not knowing, you know, the amount of peril that that may create, dial 911 by all means. Alrighty, we got a couple minutes. We want to take this last phone call here real quick. Good morning.
1: You're on with WGNS.
0: Good morning. I'd like to ask the chief where his uh, office is physically located. At which station? Yes, our, our administrative offices are actually located in the old city hall. At 220 Northwest Broad Street, uh, which is kind of sitting right along Broad Street in front of City Hall uh, as it exists on Broad Street. Um, of course, Bro- uh, City Hall kind of fronts on Vine, but, you know, right on at the old City Hall, if you remember that being the old uh, City Hall where the mayor and, and had his office and the council chambers were there, were in that building uh, right there on 220 Northwest Broad Street. Okay. Now, another question. Uh, I... In past, have taken uh, food items over to the uh, station right there at the Vine and Spring, and uh, is that still permissible? Yeah, if you bring food items to us, we're probably going to take them to um, one of the other uh, organizations that do that. And, and so we would we would ask that you probably kind of forward those there. We can get them there if, if you need to drop them off at our fire stations, and we won't discourage that. But at the same time, uh, Greenhouse Ministries, some of the other places like that would be much better uh, be able to accommodate those things. Or a lot of the local churches have food pantries that would probably be able to better accommodate that because that's where we would take your donations if you brought them to the fire station. Oh. Well, I used to take uh, cases of fig uh, bars. They seem to like those quite well. <laughs> All right well, so I didn't know whether it's still permissible or not. Yes, sir, it is.
1: All righty. Well, thank you, sir, for the call. Uh, we are just about out of time. It has been a uh, been a pleasure, and we've learned a lot. Um, just kind of to recap. Be safe this Fourth of July. Uh, if your neighbor's shooting off firecrackers, not a 911 call. If your neighbor catches your shed on fire from shooting off firecrackers, maybe that's a 911 call. Uh, but make sure to check out all the action here on WGNS starting at 7 o'clock on the 4th of July. Fireworks a little bit closer to 9, but we'll make sure it's dark. You can see them from just about everywhere in the city, folks. So that is going to be just an awesome time, and uh, I-, I wish you a happy uh, 4th of July, and... Uh, to you and your family, happy Fourth of July. And it was a, uh, just a pleasure catching up with you, sir. And if you need anything else, we're always always here for you. Happy Fourth of July to you, Nick. Thank you so Alrighty. much. Right, That was Fire Rescue Chief Mark Folks, joining us on the Action Line. Truman Jones and the Truman Show is coming up next, so stay right here.